Though I may have done a lot of different things as a child, learning who I was going to be as a teenager or as a man or being a young man or an older man and now getting to that stage of being an old man, God has always been a part of every stage of my life. He's always been that balance by which I'm able to live this life. And I found that he's been that anchor. And we need that anchor. And we need, quite frankly, one another together as we worship the Lord. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today, we're going to take verses 1 through 22 of John 19. We'll pick up the remainder of John 19 next week. And I really have enjoyed taking time going through the Gospel of John this year. I didn't take as much time as the last time I taught through it here. Uh, It was the first book of the Bible that I taught on a Sunday morning as your pastor at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa. And it took me about two and a half years to get through it. And I didn't want to do that this time. And so I kind of put myself on a schedule and been able to hold on to that schedule. But what I've enjoyed is that we've slowed down to look at the last 24 hours of Jesus's life, which actually begins in John chapter 13 and goes all the way through chapter 19, his death. So in a 24-hour period, we have seen Jesus celebrate Passover with his disciples. He introduced communion to the church at that meal. At the same meal, Jesus revealed that before the night was over, one would betray him, another would deny him, and all would scatter because of him. And as they left that upper room, we have Jesus teaching his final discourse. It's found in John's Gospel, chapters 14 through 16. The final words of Jesus to the church before he went to the cross, very significant teachings that are found there. In John chapter 17, we have rehearsed the great priestly prayer of Jesus where he prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for all those who would believe after them. So he prayed for us there before he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. That brings us to chapter 18. We read about his arrest and the beginning of his trials. Ultimately, his trials, they continue into chapter 19. Today, we'll see Jesus go all the way to the cross as we close out our teaching. But in those trials, if we combined all the Gospels, we find that there were actually three trials by the 
Jewish religious leaders, and there were three trials by the Roman government. And it, it just speaks to me that Jesus died for the sins of the world because the world was there, both Jew and Gentile, to convict him and to put him on the cross. Also, when I think about this, we find in this last 24 hours, Jesus would have been deprived of food, of water. We know that he thirsted on his way to the cross, also there on the cross, also of sleep. He would be mocked and beaten. We'll see that in our text today. And a cat of nine tails would be laid upon his back. A crown would be pressed upon his head. And though weakened with all these things, I believe Jesus bore a much greater weight upon him than the wooden beam that he would carry to Calvary because he bore upon himself the sins of the world. Today we're going to see Behold the man, John 19, 1 through 22, and I broke it into four sections. Behold the man, verses 1 through 5. Behold the Son of God, 6 through 11. Behold your King, verses 12 through 15. And behold the King of the Jews, verses 15 through 22. Not very long, I'd like us to... Well, allow me to read verses 1 through 5 and open us up in prayer this morning before we get into the teaching of God's Word. John 19, verse 1, So Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, behold, the man. And Father, we pray that you would just, Lord, help us to see this passage of scripture afresh today. Help us, Lord, to just connect with the great price that you paid for our sins. And Lord, help us to understand it, that we might not only better understand our relationship with you, but be better able to share the great price you paid for the world, that they might be saved, that we'd be better able to share with others these truths. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So behold the man. We learn, first of all, in verses 1 through 3, that Jesus was beaten and mocked and you combine the details of the Gospel of John from Matthew, Mark, and Luke as well, you kind of get this greater and broader picture of all that took place. We don't get every detail from John's Gospels, but we do when we combine all four. All four of them mention the scourging of Jesus. You know, this punishment was so severe that many times it would cause a prisoner to either faint or even to die. The scourging was sometimes meant to bring confession from the prisoner. And so the Roman practice or custom was that if they would beat you with the cat of nine tails, if you would bring confession, they would soften the blows. They would still give the required stripes, however many that would be from the Romans' perspective. We know from Jewish law, they were not to beat anyone more than 40 stripes. And so it was customary for the Jews 
that they would always do 39 stripes in case they lost count somewhere. They didn't want to go past. But can you imagine even 40 stripes or 39 stripes? But then it's a cat of nine tails. So every stripe multiplied by nine. But if a prisoner would bring confession, they would go easier. They would still get the required amount of, of whipping, but they would go lighter on them. But Jesus, he had nothing to confess. Jesus remained silent as it was according to Scripture. Isaiah 53, 5 tells us he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. After the scourging, John tells us that they twisted a crown of thorns and they pressed it upon his head. You know, the thorns over in Israel, I, I'm sure they have varieties of thorns just like we do here. We don't have very many thorns of much length, but in Israel, they have thorns that have great length to them, an inch or two inches. Can you imagine this being pressed upon your head? They put a purple robe upon his body, a reed in his hand to mimic a king's scepter. And the soldiers then beat and mocked our Lord. And again, in Isaiah 53, 7, it says he was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before the shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Jesus took this mocking from these evil men, these soldiers. I mean, they were just doing their job, but it would appear that they got pleasure in doing their job as well. But we find to this day that there are those who continue to mock Jesus and they mock those who believe in Jesus. Just last year, we find that Joy Bear of The View, she said concerning our vice president, it's one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. And this was said of our vice president's religious beliefs. She went on to say that is called mental illness, if I'm not correct, hearing voices. She has since apologized for her remarks, both privately to our vice president, also publicly, because she got in big trouble for that one. But looking at some of these mockeries, and it goes all the way back to the time of Christ, no doubt. But Voltaire was one who said Christianity is the most ridiculous, the most absurd and bloody religion that has ever infected the world. John Lennon of the Beatles said God is a concept by which we measure our pain. Richard Dawkins, now gone from this earth, a renowned scientist, he said we are all atheists about most of the gods that societies have ever believed in. Some of us just go one God further. It took me a couple of times to get that when he's basically saying, as Christians, we reject all other gods. As atheists, they reject all gods, even the God of the Christians. I explained that one for me because it took me a couple of readings to understand it. Bill Gates, just in terms of allocation, and of time resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on a Sunday morning. And sadly, there are a lot of people who are doing a lot of other things on a Sunday morning. I heard Pastor Mike McIntosh in one of the broadcasts I listen to weekly. 
he was mentioning about uh, he does the live broadcast on Calvary Radio Network every Monday. So it's a call-in show. And on that call-in show, there was a couple of pastors that were also taking calls that Pastor Mike said, I trained one of these in the ministry. And, and they were saying, so Mike repeating what was happening here in the Midwest, because Calvary Radio Network comes out of uh, Valparaiso, Indiana. He's saying the, the pastors no longer do Sunday nights. They no longer do Wednesday nights because people aren't coming any longer. The people are finding a lot better things to do in their mind, a lot better things to do than to go to church. I think it's so important that the body of Christ continue to gather together. And as I said earlier, as I welcomed you to the service this morning, as I looked over the decades of my life, I discovered that though I may have done a lot of different things as a child, learning who I was going to be as a teenager or as a man or being a young man or an older man and now getting to that stage of being an old man. God has always been a part of every stage of my life. He's always been that balance by which I'm able to live this life. And I found that he's been that anchor and we need that anchor and we need, quite frankly, one another together as we worship the Lord. So they made mockery of Christ. People make mockery of Christ to this day. And then Pilate presented Jesus. He presented him as a mere man, though. We find in verses four through five that Pilate came out. He said, I'm going to be bringing him out to you. But he said, I find no faults in him. I want you to know that I find no faults in him. How horrific to know that Jesus from uh, the Roman government that he was innocent of all crimes, and yet from the Roman government, they scourged him and beat him so badly that Scripture tells us that he was not recognized as a man. I would not want to be found guilty if that's what innocence looks like. But he brought him out and he let the people know, and I think perhaps from Pilate's perspective, he was wanting the people to have mercy upon Jesus and say, okay, this is enough. But we find that it was not enough. And so Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns, the purple robe, and Pilate said, behold, the man. From the beginning, Pilate sought to release Jesus, knowing that it was out of envy that the religious rulers had brought Jesus before him. And notice the impact that Jesus had both on the religious rulers and upon Pilate himself. Mark 15, 10 tells us it was out of envy that the chief priest had handed him over to them. And the identification of Jesus as the son of God, it drove the religious rulers to deliver Jesus to Pilate out of envy. And they were the very people who best knew the word of God, or at least they should have. Uh, they knew the details of what Scripture said, but they had no spiritual truth that was in them. And there are people like that today, even in seminaries across the world. They know the words that have been written. They can tell you how to break down the sentences in the original language. They can put them in the proper tense and have all that great knowledge and understanding, but they lack the knowledge of the one who has given us this word. They lack a true relationship with God. This was the religious rulers of Israel. They lacked a true relationship with God. They were the very 
people who best knew the prophecies concerning the Messiah. In appearance, they longed for the coming Messiah, but when the Messiah came, they sought to rather destroy him than to worship him. Their position as Israel's religious and cultural authority, it caused them to become both the interpreters and the dictators of every aspect of religious society. John Stott wrote in his book, The Cross of Christ, Envy is the reverse side of the corn called vanity. Nobody is ever envious of others who is not first proud of himself. The Jewish leaders were proud, racially, nationally, religiously, morally proud. They were proud of their nation's long history of special relationship with God, proud of their leadership role in the nation, and above all, proud of their authority. Their contest with Jesus was essentially an authority struggle. But when we think about Jesus being beaten, this crown of thorns twisted and placed upon his head, the cat of nine tails laid upon his back, as horrific as these things were, we find that they were supposed to bring reproach to Jesus. They actually resulted in our healing. First Peter 2.24 says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. By whose stripes you were healed. You know, I read earlier from Isaiah 53.5, where it says, by his stripes we are healed. And then when Peter quoted from that very same passage, he says, by whom stripes you were healed. Isaiah was looking forward to the a sacrifice of Christ upon the cross, Peter looking back to that sacrifice. But we sit in a position where we now look back to that sacrifice, where we can say by his stripes we were healed. It's a finished work, folks. And I think sometimes we forget that, that it is a finished work. It's by his stripes that we were healed. Well, there's fulfilled prophecies, and I'm just going to wrap up a few of these points by looking at a couple of the fulfilled prophecies that come out of the passage as we go through them. In verse 5, uh, Pilate has said, Behold the man, and we find in Isaiah 52, 5, just as many were astonished at you, so that his vestige was marred more than any man, meaning his face was marred more than any man, his forms more than the sons of men. Behold the man, he said. Also, Zechariah 6, 12 and 13, then speaking to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold the man whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out, and he shall build a temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory, and he shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between both of them. Jesus, behold the man fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. Behold the son of man who died that we might become the sons and daughters of God. Also behold the son of God, verses 6 through 11. I'm going to read the context. Therefore, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, crying, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, you take him and crucify him. I find no fault in him. And the Jews answered, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. 
Therefore, when Pilate heard that, he was the more afraid. And he went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? And Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? And Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who has delivered me to you has the greater sin. I find this passage interesting, the interaction, especially between Pilate and Jesus. Now, Pilate, I, as I said before, I believe that he had hoped that the scourging and the humiliating mockery of Jesus would satisfy the people's bloodthirst, but it only caused them to increase their cry for Jesus to be crucified. We know, according to the other Gospels, that the religious rulers, they were behind this. Matthew 27, 22 and 23 tells us, when Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And they all said, let him be crucified. And the governor said, why, what evil has he done? And they cried all the more, let him be crucified. The religious rulers, they cried out for Jesus's crucifixion. They persuaded the people, Matthew 27, verse 20. And the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. But the Jews said, we have a law. Their charge against Jesus was blasphemy. He made himself the son of God. Leviticus 24, 16 is the law that they were referring to. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him. And the stranger as well as him who is born in the land. When he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall be put to death. Notice, not only did it say the death penalty for blasphemy, but also the means by which he should die. There in Leviticus 24, 16, surely he shall be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him. Remember a few weeks ago, I told you that the Jews, according to history, we don't find this in the Bible, but according to history, 40 years before the fall of Jerusalem, Rome took away the right of capital punishment from the Jewish people. If they still had the right of capital punishment, then they would have taken Jesus out and stoned him. But they had no right to do this. I have to believe that the attack that was upon that synagogue in Pittsburgh yesterday was a result of uh, the hatred toward the Jews for many. They hate the Jews because they killed Christ. What they do not understand is that both Jews and Gentiles were involved in the killing of Christ. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. If the Jews would have had the authority, they would have stoned Jesus. Pilate said to them, you take him out and crucify him. And they're like, we can't crucify anyone. You won't let it happen. Jesus had been falsely condemned by two sets of threefold witnesses of both the Jews and the Gentiles. Thus, he was condemned that he might die for the sins of the whole world, for your sins and my sins as well. But Pilate said to Jesus, the interaction between them has been amazing to me. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago because Jesus did a lot of talking to Pilate. But we find in this passage, Jesus wasn't saying anything any longer. Pilate even said, you're not talking to me. 
So there was a change here. When before Jesus had dialogued, he talked with Pilate, but now he stopped. Father, we pray that you would be with us now as we close. I pray, Lord, as we wait upon you now, may you just bring application of your word that was spoken to us today. Help us, Lord, to live for you. And I know, Lord, that according to your word, the first step of living for you is coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We've seen the beginning of the high price that Jesus paid upon the cross today as we've taken Scripture all the way to Jesus being nailed to the cross. And we'll continue to look at the remainder of that next week. But Father, I pray that even this day, that our hearts would be conformed to your heart. And that begins by salvation, first and foremost, confessing our sins to you, that you are the Lord and Savior of our lives. And I pray, Father, that if there are those who need to be saved, that they would surrender their lives to you even this day. For the rest of us, Lord, I pray that you continue to draw us close to you as we live for you in the day and age that we are in. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.